This is the Minivan Dad Soccer Pod. Oh, it's incredible! You could not write a script like this! The only podcast where the host actually admits to driving a minivan. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be And now your host, TJ. All right, so and here we go again. Another adi- quarantine edition of the Minivan Dad Soccer Pod. It's, I don't want to say it's an emergency round, uh, emergency podcast, but it's really not. It's, I'm bored. I felt like I wanted to talk some soccer. I've got a couple of great, I've got a couple of great guests that are going to join me tonight, are joining me tonight. I've got Harry Austin from the SA Soccer Roundtable down in San Antonio. And then I've got Edson Ochoa, who does The Peel, which is a Houston Dynamo podcast. Than he does down in the valley, which is a real Grand Valley podcast. So I've got the state of Texas covered tonight and got a few things we're going to talk about. But they thanks for joining me, gentlemen. It's great to have you on. It's just I love talking soccer. You guys want to talk some soccer. So here we go. So, um, Harry, how are you doing tonight? What do you got? What kind of drinking you got in front of you tonight? Uh, so I got a blue moon uh, in front of me. I actually got two of them, one to start off and then a second one to cap it off and uh, so that's typically what I have there, either that or Lone Star. But uh, tonight I grabbed the Blue Moon uh, for that here. Okay, and Edson, how about you? What do you, you got a beer in front of you or drink in front of you? Uh, just going? got a, just a regular uh, soda. Okay, nothing, nothing wrong with that. I've got um, right now tonight. I've got so my first one is I've got two in front of me as well, Harry. I've got Cashmere Pulaski, which is from Maplewood, which is a Chicago brewery, and then I've got. Noon Whistle, Lisa Weapon, which was bronze in its class, bronze medal in its class at the Great American Beer Festival. Um, my brother-in-law works for Noon Whistle, so I'm kind of partial to that. One. And that one was chosen by my two-year-old who's still running around my, my nearly two-year-old who's still running around my office, causing complete chaos like she always does. So eventually you'll probably hear some tears. That would be her. So I want to lead off tonight um, with an article that that Harry you sent over the other day. And it's the possibility of Liga, Liga MX and MLS merging by 2026. According, this is according to ESPN. This has been sourced out for the last couple of days. This idea to me is not a shock. I'm not going to say it by any stretch. It, it, it is not. Um, it seems to be the natural evolution of where they're going with the, the interactions they've had the last few years, the joint bidding of the World Cup. It seems to be the culmination of it. And I feel like... It's nothing more than getting ahead ahead of Europe when the big when the big clubs decide to take the chance. The super league leagues mm-hmm. into a super league, correct? It's going to be the first one, and once Concacaf gets the logistics worked out, I think that's going to be the last big step. But I feel like, from a money perspective, that's the next play for everybody. So, not surprising. Um, I was a little fifty teams and thirty from MLS and twenty from Liga MX. That's going to be a huge league. That's for darn sure. I. How, What's your guys' initial? T- Other than it's a huge league, I don't know how you would work out the logistics if you do an east and west, a north and south, how you'd break that down. But I'm curious. I mean, how do you guys? What do you? What's your guys' initial kick on that one? So for me, and like I said, I'm not quite the league expert as Edson is here. Uh, for me, I think it's inevitable, uh, and I think it all goes back to some uh, marketing uh, because it, they are obviously in the United States, and from my understanding, they're uh, I've got their paws all over uh, the Mexican Federation as well. So um, you just keep hearing more and more reports about um, 
the money wise in, in the United States uh, that Mexico doesn't necessarily have. Um, and obviously Mexico has the rich history, has the viewers, stuff like that, that MLS doesn't, doesn't have. And then of course you still got Canada, the three Canadian teams that would uh, take part in it as well. So you'd really have a North American league, uh, you know, with, you know, with the 50 teams. To me, it seems like this is going to be a logistics nightmare uh, more than anything for the the smaller Liga MX teams. And I'm talking about the Pueblas, the Morelias, the Atletico San Luises, who don't have a lot of money in their in, in you know in their pocketbooks to be to be consistently spending you know money to travel all the way to. Say for example Toronto, mm-hmm. you know, sure. or something, something like that. So, honestly, to me, it's a really bad idea just because right now, Liga MX is very, un- uh, very unstable because you've got your powerhouses like Tigres, like America, and I'm talking about financial mm-hmm. uh, powerhouses, and then you've got, and then you've got clubs that are struggling financially. You've had, you got, you know, you have your, your cases with, uh, you know. Veracruz, who just got, you know, uh, unaffiliated, you know, from FIFA because of, you know, they weren't paying their players. Or, you know, you've got teams where they're making a long trip, you know, almost from one side of the uh, on one side of the country to the other on a bus, you know, because they don't have enough money to be consistently buying charter flights uh, to, to, to their destinations. So I really I really don't don't see how they can make this financially feasible uh, for for every team, and now as well, you know, I'm seeing that the report is uh, coming from John Sutcliffe. I don't really trust him. I don't really, okay. I, I don't really trust, you know, his, his exclusives. He's had so many exclusives that I've, you know, that I've read that turned out to be, you know, that to be fake. So when I, you know, when I when I see that, it kind of puts me kind of like well, doubtful that this would really really were to happen. Uh, I honestly think like maybe. This will be nothing more than what we're seeing right now with, you know, having the Liga MX uh, All-Stars versus MLS All-Stars or participating in, in, the, in, in the skills uh, little challenge. But that that's about it. Okay. Go ahead, Harry. Hey, Here's where I'm going to push back on this because I think this is going to be how MLS institutes ProRel. And we know Mexico, you know, is struggling with ProRel as well. So... You could have a League One, League Two type situation with MLS at Liga MX. So you know, because there's MLS teams that struggle as well. You know, you know, if, if we're honest, um, that aren't paying the money. You know, along those lines, you could see those where those will be more in the MLS Two type type of a league. Um, and then you know, obviously the higher teams, the you know, the LAFCs, the Club America teams. Would be you know in the you know in, in the premier division uh, for that here, and we, we both I think we all know what's driving this would be the the TV money that that would come in from having Liga MX teams with uh, you know with the MLS teams uh, for that here. So that's sure. how I think they they get the financial side of it because um, you know don't forget MLS is what on their TV deals. I think it's what 2021. They won't allow any teams, whether it's local or nationally, go go beyond that date. Uh, I think I think they are trying to set something up like this. And 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 I th- Harry, I I believe I think you're on the right path. And 
and I, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's it's soccer United marketing, and it is it's the money that they have. I think what they would ultimately look to be doing is more or less what they what the NFL is. The NFL is their money isn't gate revenue. It's not driven that way. It's a TV deal, and if you can get a TV deal large enough, and you have to remember with MLS TV deal, the national TV deal is equally split. It's not as much like Liga MX where you have Club America doing their own thing. It would be everybody gets Soccer United does one deal for the entire thing and splits that revenue 50 ways. And I think that's how you look to counter some of the shortfalls in terms of travel budget. And if you do it well enough, like I said, like and I always and I'm using the NFL as an example because it's an easy one. The NBA is another one where the TV money is where you get everything. And that's how you can afford a de- you keep everybody's payroll up is because that of that amount of money and the travel becomes not not quite the issue anymore i don't so that's where i think that would come in but it's uh, it's in i think you raise a great point though that some of these clubs that have never had that kind of finance the what i believe would be the financial infusion would it be would it be enough to get them to that next step at least and, to and and another thing is is like so you know you know it also mentions that they want Liga MX they want to raise the amount of teams in the first division to to twenty you know they recently they, they recently wanted to get twenty you know for next season but you look at the Liga de Ascenso you know which is the second division in, in Mexico and it's not really a hundred percent you know uh, the 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 promotion isn't a hundred percent, you know, performance driven mm-hmm. and they have requirements for the infrastructure for seating, uh, in, in their stadiums that none of the essential teams, you know, currently, uh, are fulfilling. So that's why, you know, that's another reason, you know, why I think they, they, this, this would struggle. Now I do think, you, you know, if they could get a huge TV deal, you know, and I'm talking in huge, you know, that that will be a significant increase in budget for these smaller teams to build that infrastructure uh, in prepare in preparation for for this tournament. You know, I, I think I think we may be onto something. But at this point, you know, who you know, who would uh, who would uh, who would grab it? You, you've got Tudene in Spanish, got ESPN, English and Spanish. You've got Fox uh in English and Spanish uh, as well. So right now with with uh, Liga MX, I, I think I believe that Tudene has the upper hand uh, from uh, the the other the other uh, broadcasters. So I think if they play their cards right, like if this merger play their cards right with these broadcasters, they may be getting the the money that they want for this TV deal. Here's something else, and this would be how uh, MLB does it, is they have the national rights that that get split. Mm -hmm. But then you have, and I think this is where Club America comes into, and, you know, you could see uh, like NYCFC, you know, LAFC, the the bigger clubs, if they were able to do their regional rights, uh, you know, locally with, you know, local, you know, television stations, because if you look at MLB, you know, they get a lot of money from those regional rights that, you know, doesn't go to the other teams. So then you're going to have your, you know, your super clubs in the top that still can get that max money. 
but you know the lower teams still get the national money that gets split. So that's how I could see maybe not more of an NFL type TV deal, but more mm-hmm. that MLB setup where you know, the national rights go out. You're going to have a lot more blockouts, but you know you can have you can sell your regional rights for you know you know if you're in a large market or if you're a successful team for quite a bit of money that way you know because to me the issue for club america i think and i could be wrong if if they're not the right one but don't they make the most money from their you know from the tv or either control their own tv network or or they get the most money from a tv network is that correct well they are owned by televisa okay uh so i mean they technically they technically have you know have the budget right out of one of the broadcasters now what i was going to say is that tigres and Rayados used to do it for a while before they moved to Fox Sports. But Tigres, what they what they do is like it's basically. I think what, what you're trying to say, Harry, is they have their own little little uh, blackouts within the Monterrey area, mm-hmm. where the national broadcast is blacked out, and you have to get the pay per view in order in order to watch the games in in the in the metropolitan area of Monterrey uh, for Tigres. So, so that's an extra amount of money that that, that goes uh, to to the team uh, as well. And, and, and that's, and that's, I'm sorry, I'm stumbling a little bit here, but yeah, and that's what um, I believe that I want to say LFC, LAFC, somebody else has run into that same problem or no, it was uh, Cincinnati. They, mm-hmm. they had their, their out of market was flow. And I guess that was in DC had the same problem. And it was just yeah. a dumpster fire. So, um, and I believe Rangers, if you want to go to Europe, they have, I think all of theirs is on pay-per-view. So unless it's not a national game, then they, you got to do the pay-per-view or do rangers.com or whatever. So there's some mm-hmm. issues with that too. Um, but it, it, that's it. I'm, what, where I'm curious is, and this is where I go to your knowledge base, is you said the infrastructure on some of the teams in the Ascenso, you said there's nobody, and that is, see, I always thought that they shut down the pro rail just because there wasn't enough money. It wasn't financially worth it. It was the teams that came up had to spend what they couldn't, they didn't have and so on. And it seemed to cause more problems. So they kind of cut it off for now, but you're saying there's infrastructure issues, even on the top teams in the ascent. So that couldn't, that couldn't be, that would take a while to bridge. Is that kind of the deal? At, at this, at this moment right now is like most of the bigger uh, budget uh, and the one, those that have the bigger infrastructure, oh. uh, that were in the Liga Ascenso, they're now in Liga MX now. And there are clubs that used to be Liga MX uh, first division clubs. They got relegated. They were they spent their they spent years down in in the in the second division, and now they're back up in the first division. Now that you're now what you're left uh, uh, in in the, in the Liga de Ascenso, you're left with a lot of a smaller more, more local clubs that you know they don't have uh, the 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 attention they don't have the the the, the fan base you know to fill up you know thirty thousand seat stadiums forty thousand seat stadiums you're talking about stadiums that are maybe like twenty thousand twenty two thousand uh, seat stadiums uh, and so they really like you know the, they really wanted to implement this uh, whole uh, thing in the IMAX where you gotta you gotta have some sort of you know of infrastructure or it, you need to update your current infrastructure in order to be able to qualify. So like even if you win Liga de Ascenso, even if you win 
the right to promote to to a promotion. But if you don't have these set of guide uh, benchmarks uh, when when you win the promotion, you're not moving up. And that's what's ha- and that's what's happening right now. And the thing is, you know, you know, a lot of these businessmen or, or, or business women that you know that they don't want to invest in, in soccer because. Uh, especially with Liga Ascenso for the same reason, because all of the more traditional teams like like America, like Guadalajara, like uh, uh, Cruz Azul, they are traditional teams in a in the national in a national sense, and so they have fans everywhere. You know that buy the merch, that watch the games, that go to that make the you know the time to go to Azteca, to go to Omni Life. To go 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 watch the games. That when they come to the U.S., they spend their money to watch their teams. You know, here same goes for Tigres and Rayados. They're more on a local level, but the the, the the passion in Monterrey for these two teams is so fervent. You know, you've got Tigres that constantly sell out their forty. I think it's like forty-five thousand dollars stadium. There's plans that they're going to remodel the stadium and make it. You know, give it a higher uh, capacity uh, stadium. So, but the, but this is this is something that that took that took a, a long time. All these other Liga de Ascenso, you, you know, that here's another thing. These Liga de Ascenso teams, they're in much smaller markets, you know, as far as the cities that they're playing in. They're they're not playing they're not playing in Guadalajara. They're not playing in Mexico City. They're not playing in Monterrey. You know, they're in in much smaller little towns, little cities. That that don't have the you know the the amount of people that are willing or, or have the financial capacity to even attend a stadium regularly to to even you know in the case of theaters where there's a, like a 15 year waiting list for season tickets. Would you say it's kind of comparable to you know from USL Championship to uh, MLS uh, here stateside because. As much as we say we want pro rel, if you look at the stadium structures, majority of teams would not be able to would not be able to move up because they don't have the proper stadiums. You know, you know, uh, in in order to meet just the minimums, and, and we can talk about you know the the requirements by USSF, but you know for infrastructure, I think that's got to be pretty standard. They have that over you know in the English Premier League and and stuff like that, but. To me, it sounds like both in Mexico and the United States, the Division Two, while you know it, it's 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 okay and good, and, and especially for smaller towns, mm-hmm. to be able to move up to the first division. At this point, it doesn't sound like e- either country has has the infrastructure to be able to do that. And, and I would also include the CPL uh, up in Canada as well. Uh, you know, if if we did go to a full pro rel. Um, structure that that you know that yeah. most of us dream of. So I actually found right now I found an article that that tells about the requirements for teams to be able to go into Liga MX, and basically the the stadium obvi- obviously you need to earn you know through through the through the tournament you need to earn your your promotion. Your stadium has to be more than twenty thousand people. Uh, you gotta have a a sports complex where they they will train, you know, where the team will train. Uh, have a actually have like an academy, you know, that goes from uh, under 15s to uh, under 20s. And you've also gotta have a women's team for Liga MX Femenil. Mm. 
and you can't also be an affiliate either. It, it, so, so at this point, so, so, excuse me. And so at this point, only in 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 Liga in, in the Senso, technically only four uh, teams uh, actually qualify because Athletic. It says six in in the in the article, but at, but Atletico de San Luis and Bravos de Juarez already uh, are promoted to Liga MX. Mm. I was gonna say, and I'm looking. I'm looking at who's in the Senso right now. And just the stadium's over twenty thousand, and there's not many of those to start with. So I, not knowing even the rest of the um, the standards, the having the women's team, the academy, and so on and so forth, there aren't many. I'm looking, there aren't many there either. So mm-hmm. that that makes a lot of sense. And and Harry, Harry, I, I love the fact that you brought up the fact that the pro. And again, if you've ever heard me talk about it, and I have on this show, I have on US Fan TV many times. I'm not against pro rel. It's again one of those I look at as a realist, and I think Harry, you hit the nail on the head. It's it's about, especially in the United States, those national TV deals are important, are, are essential. And I hate to say it, as much as I, I have nothing against people in Indianapolis, I have nothing against it, but people aren't going to turn in for an Indianapolis FC or Kansas City, Sporting Kansas City game. They're not. They want to see L.A. They want to see Chicago be good. They want to see New York be good. They want the, They want those type of teams to be good. And that because that's where you can get the most eyeballs on TV. But even in USL, though, I mean, how many teams really would meet the standards to make that jump? I'm, I'm off the top of my head. I guess there's none. Miami, none. Miami FC, Indy Eleven, because they both they they play in they play in stadiums they share. Um, beyond, the, I I know Phoenix Rising could do it at a snap. I believe at a snap of the fingers. Sacramento's obviously already been moved up, so we can't count them any longer. Because <laughs> it says you got to have a minimum seating capacity of fifteen thousand. Mm-hmm. And like I said, Phoenix Rising could could move into Chase Field or uh, until they built their own home. They Phoenix Rising could accomplish that. India left they don't have it today, though. It's, that's the, that's the thing. Sure. In order for Pro Rel, if you want to have true Pro Rel, you've got to have the infrastructures to be able to do it. And I want Pro Rel. And, and you know, in fact, you, you know, on the other discussion, that you know, if we get to it. You know, where you said if I was in charge, mine is about pro rail within USL. But I think well, I, that's how you're going to do this is you're going to have MLS have its pro rail. You're going to have you're going to have in the in, in, in the lower leagues. I think that's where you could really see pro rail really kind of take off. But as long as we have these these requirements and you can, re, you know, we can argue whether they're valid or not valid. That's, you know, but they're, they're the rules as we speak today. Um, and FIFA's came back and, and said, hey. You know, U.S. is exempt. You know, you know, from having you know pro rail. So, uh, odds of uh, odds of it happening across the entire pyramid, I think, are slim. But I sure. think I think in the leagues itself, especially like USL, MLS, especially if they want to, you know, you know, merge with Liga MX, I think that's where you can have that, and I think that's how you get that t- those TV deals. That's, that's kind of the Peter Wilt model, and I and I, I kind of go, yeah. If you're going to do it, I think that might be you might be right on that. And um, I think within USL, that would be I, I think it would work. It'd be a good place to test that and see how it plays out. Um, and I, and again, I come I come back to MLS and that's always where I why I never think it'll go through is number one. If you tried to force pro rel on some of these owners, these these own the owners in MLS say what you feel about them being awful, whatever, you know, now that Houtman's gone, you don't have many left that aren't very, very deep pocketed 
in terms of like they're not multi they're not just millionaires. You're getting close you're pretty it's much a billionaire, in billionaire yeah. class. And they don't lose. Number one. Number two, if you put in the money to build a stadium, let's and I'm gonna use a simple example of you know, um, I'm, I believe Fulton County in the city of Atlanta, state of Georgia, all put money into Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Let's say Atlanta, for some fluke reason, got relegated. It won't happen, but it could if you were doing that. Mm-hmm. Now you're talking about they aren't getting the return on their asset that they put money. Now, that I get it. That's an NFL stadium. But find any of these soccer-specific stadiums that these, these cities, counties, whatever, put money in. They're going to litigate, and that's where it runs into problems. Well, you know what would happen is they would go where Atlanta United too and play at you know one of the college stadiums that they have there. That's what they would do. You would not play sure. at Mercedes Benz. It just the, the but and how Indy Eleven does it. You know they get a lot of, from my understanding, a lot of tax breaks and benefits to be able to play there. But that's not a long term solution. Um, you know, no, in, no, I, in my I don't opinion, think it is for Indy Eleven. Sure, but my point being is. And I guess I guess Atlanta was a bad example, but um, DC, I believe that was paid for by the city. You, you, mm-hmm. The ones that were not fi- privately built, these cities and these county counties and states will sue because they are losing value on the right. asset. You know their promise one, and that's where it comes into problem. Like I said, and then you add in the billionaire class of ownership, they don't lose. They don't lose those type of things when he's out, and that's why I, I, as much as I think pro rel could be fun, it could be interesting. I think the playoffs accomplish enough of that where I'm good with it right now, but I'd love to see it implement at USL. I'd be curious to see somebody like a Des Moines or some of these small, um, that's in what USL two, I believe aren't the bug eaters as well. Somebody like that making the jump up, you know, up through USL into USL one and into the championship for Madison in USL championship because they earn their way into it. I think that would be cool as hell. And then, and then it also kind of, then it also models at that point, um, you know, La Liga in the sense of, you, you know, like the, the two teams, they can get to the, they can get to the championship. They can't make that next jump or they could go to USL championship. They obviously couldn't go to MLS teams if they were good enough. Galaxy two, well, Galaxy two is still in championship, but Dallas or whatever. So I'd love to see it within USL. I think it would be a cool thing to watch, but I, like I said, in terms of bringing in MLS, you'd almost have to go around them. And there's a reason why these guys, these guys are smart enough with Soccer United marketing that I just, I'm not a, I'm not a, I just don't see U.S. soccer ever forcing it upon them, especially seeing the FIFA and the, the Court of Arbitration said, and sports said, nah, not so much. So at this point. All right. So I think we came down to, this with MLS and Liga Liga MX merger, there's some definite hurdles to go with this. As what kind of what kind of Edson with the kind of what you're getting at. There's a whole lot more hurdles than is being expressed in this article. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I honestly, I honestly think that that is the issue. Uh, in my point of view, from what uh, from what I've seen from Liga MX, what I the little that I know about um, Ascenso. You know, there's there's a lot of hurdles that Liga MX needs to uh, really fix in within their own uh, league before they they can even think of trying to merge with a, with another league. So here's my question to you, Edson: um, Is the MLS catching um, Liga MX to where? Some of the stars that may play in Liga MX will soon be playing more in MLS. Is that something that you could see happening 
you know, sooner than than a merger where, you know, I know there's been a few high-profile players that have moved within the last couple of years, um, but do you see that more of a transition where MLS is getting more stable, the clubs are, are slowly building up the, you know, the salary cap and stuff uh, to where they can start to pay salaries that are <clears throat> that that can afford some of the higher talent, uh, not only just in Mexico, but throughout the world? I think we're seeing. I think we're seeing that transition right now. You know, we've got you recently. We got R- Rodolfo Pizarro from going from Monterrey, you know, to uh, Inter Miami. Uh, Alan Pulido, who last season was the top go- or shared the top goal scorer position in Liga MX uh, in Chivas Guadalajara, and, you know, make the jump to MLS as well. And I think we're. I think we're gonna start. We're gonna start to see at this point. Uh, that you're going to see a lot of uh, MLS teams going to try to lure some of the Liga, the Liga MX stars going uh, to go into MLS. Why? Higher standard of living in the United States. You have more of a potential for for it to have more clubs that'll that'll pay the money that they'll pay the money that you want. Let's be honest. There's really not a lot of uh, of pressure uh, media wise uh, within within teams within uh, the MLS teams. Like it is in like it is in Mexico, and, you know, you know, and so all of these little factors, and if the and if MLS you know starts you know getting the uh their their thoughts together and to bring in maybe at a in a marketing point of view you know, to try to attract Liga MX fans into into watching MLS, I think we're gonna start we're gonna start see, uh, seeing that where it's gonna be, be a lot harder for for Liga. MX teams to be able to keep their stars. Portland, with, Portland, uh, with uh, what's his name? Was it Ryan Fernandez? I think uh, where they bought him. They bought him off of uh, Necaxa. Sadly, you know, off the pitch uh, issues, you know, hampered mm-hmm. hampered his play. You know, but and and then there was also rumors that I believe it was LA Galaxy. As a backup of Chicharito, the Chicharito thing not happen. They were really trying to push to t- to to bring in uh, Rogelio Funes Mori from Monterrey into MLS. So I think yes, I think at this point we're, it's going to be a lot closer of seeing uh, MLS teams poaching Liga MX stars and bringing them into MLS. So let, let me let me let, now, now this is a question I just kind of thought of off the top of my head. Now is does the Stars making the move from Liga MX to MLS is part of that because Tata Martino doesn't hold it against them that they play in MLS. You know, where I, be, I I felt like in years past it was if you went to MLS it was almost a death sentence if you wanted to play for the national side. But it doesn't seem like for Martino that matters as much. I know Rodolfo Pizarro did mention that he said that he actually talked to Tata Martino about a potential move uh, to MLS. And he said, and he said, go for it, you know. Uh, so I think you're, you're on. I think you're, you, you've got a point there, saying that this might, this is, this influx or migration of the, of Mexican stars going to MLS might be because Tata Martino pretty much gave them the blessing that you don't have to be in, in Liga MX or in Europe. As long as you're, you've got, you do good, you do good, uh, you have a good performance wherever you're playing, and you're consistently getting minutes. You're gonna get minutes. You're gonna get minutes with the national team. 
after all, I mean, Tata Martino, you know, he coached, you know, MLS with Atlanta. Well, and really, and really, it's been the last five years because before Tata Martino was Juan Carlos Osorio, who also coached in MLS. So I felt like, and I guess really, I don't, I don't know if Miguel Herrero was that way with it, but I felt like, especially with Osorio and obviously now with Martino, exactly what you said. It's just stars. As long as you're playing and you're playing well with your club team, they're going to bring you in. As long as you can keep doing that on the national level, you're going to play. It's not mm-hmm. as much of a you need to play in Liga MX to like almost like when once you brought in Osorio and especially more so with Martino, who's got even an even bigger pedigree, is that you can it, it, you, the the influence of the ownership from Liga MX isn't as strong on the national team as maybe it once was because these are such because Martino is such a pedigree coach in that sense. So it was just an interesting question. I kind of thought of him like, as you've seen some of these players make move and it, to me, it, what fascinates me and I don't know, Harry, what you kind of think of it is to see some of these guys going from clubs like Monterey, like club America, you see uh, Chivas and down into South America, like uh, Boca juniors and making these moves to MLS that's you know these are clubs that you're like these are great clubs and yet they're still making the jump so here's and like i said here i think here's where i think usl's playing a huge part in this is you know you take uh like christian pirano who who came from argentina and i think we've got what six or seven or, or five or six argentinians now i think for on the usl level you're starting to get maybe not the 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 liga mx stars but some of the the talent from like Argentina, Brazil, that, you know, the, the real young kids, it's going to give them kind of an avenue to be able to get highlighted as well as opposed to being over there. Cause I know Pirano, you know, you know, I know he had a, a, a knee injury that's, that's kind of slowed him down uh, through preseason camp, but I know that there's been whispers of uh, MLS looking really attractive at him as well as others. So mm-hmm. I think not only when it comes to MLS, when you're talking about, you know, Mexican and South American talent and Central American talent, I think, you know, if you're looking at MLS and USL, I think you're starting to see, you know, the United States being a lot more attractive, as Edson mentioned, you know, just the the, the, the lifestyle here compared to, um, you know, you know, down down in in central south and and, and in mexico um might be a little bit better and and especially if you can get eyes and show your talent it could be an opportunity that that opens up that you don't you know that you can separate yourself from you know you know from the talent that's in for instance argentina and brazil well and i mean it even looks at a club like you know the chicago fire which for years for lack of better term just been a dumpster fire. Yeah, they seem to spend money. They don't spend it well. But that they went down and they brought in Aliceta out of Argentina. They brought uh, uh, Gaston Jimenez, and you know what? And they still got to wear that Cat Saint's logo. But you know, I told you I get that. I told you I get that in at some point. <laughs> but the fact that you're seeing you know players like that coming in, um, and then even for the fire, when you look at somebody even like Frankowski, who's was an up and comer in Poland and coming over to to make to make him make his mark here you know so i feel like I, I felt like going into this year this was the most positive in terms of for mls as a league in terms of just like the quality of players they're bringing in it was just like you didn't hear them bringing in players that were washed up and done it was 
they're getting players that were still had something to give for the most part. And I thought that was kind of cool. And, and then you're, and I think Harry, you're exactly right with USL is it's becoming the landing spot for some of these younger up and comers out of central and South central and South America, because again, lifestyle opportunity for better training, probably better training academies, honestly, in terms of facilities, even on the USL side of things, wouldn't you, wouldn't you think that kind of plays a part as well? And even, and even, uh, you know, just, you know, the, the, the security of, you know, the countries that they're coming from, you know, I know, I know the Toros, you know, they've, they've brought in, you know, players that have, that have played with the national team, you know, like Carlos, Carlos, small, uh, uh, as well as, uh, totally forgot, totally forgot his name, uh, the Jamaican that came, that came, uh, last last season and left right after the gold cup uh so you know and and other teams in the usl uh, are are also are also doing that you know more notably more notably you know he san antonio and i gotta give credit to you harry you know to san antonio you know how they were able to pick up pirano coming out of you know the river plate academy and were able to lure such a good uh, such a good player to the to the usl from a team with such an international reputation like River Plate? I think, did we lose Harry? Are you still out there, Harry? (laughs) No, I'm still here. Okay. Um, So I guess even though everything's on hold, I do want to kind of touch both, get you both your opinions on your, on the USL sides. I mean, um, for Rio Grande Valley and then for San Antonio as well, just because I felt like, I felt like I got so deep into what was going on with the fire as they kind of picked themselves up out of nothingness. I got, I got sidetracked and didn't really get to pay attention. Harry, I know you had said many times that it seemed like San Antonio FC was late in getting their side put together, but I, but I kind of thought like they, the moves they made were pretty solid. And, um, and then with, for you, um, Edson with Rio Grande Valley going to being more of an independent thing really tied into Houston Dynamos. How has that kind of played out? It's going to be a, a, a long process at the, at this point, you know, because from what I've, from what I've heard is the, the relationship or the contract that binds both organizations together, the Dynamo and the Toros, I believe it's close to, to, to be to expiring. So, you know, so the Toros, you know, have the up the upper hand, you know, to to tell to tell the Dynamo or to either ask for for more requirements from the Dynamo and how to fulfill their their roster to be more competitive or going out going out and and being independent. You know, I can I can tell you that RGVFC the ownership the front office isn't really happy the way the the dynamo ha- has prepared their rosters you know and then and so it's going to be interesting to see also you know seeing also that there's a lot they're bringing in a lot of new people that have mls experience you know and soccer experience into the toros you know into front office spots so Honestly, I, I think it's one of those wait, wait and see and see how negotiations uh, deal, whether they decide to renew the relationship or decide to go 
independent for the Toros. My biggest concern if the Toros go independent is now Alonso Cantu is going to have a huge expense to deal with now almost overnight because now if they go independent they're going to have to they're going to have to you know pay for scouts pay for a coaching staff pay for players uh salaries as well as transfers so uh, so at this at this point uh i'm i'm more of a a wait and see but something needs to improve uh performance wise from from this team and if the dynamo you know under, understand this and kind of give more of respect or at least you know give them more leeway on how to run the technical side of the toros to be more competitive then i i think i think that this would be good to 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 renew but if the dynamo continue to be like no i control everything and i don't care if you win or not i just want players for myself for mls then this this relationship is going to go nowhere yeah, and for San Antonio, like I said, they started late, and I think the biggest frustration was we had a coaching change, and they hired uh, Alan Marcina, who was the assistant coach on the staff for last year. Uh, they took over, thir- uh, I think it was 32 days to, to announce his hire, um, which I think led to the frustration. But um, as far as how they built the team, uh, like I said here, it's, on paper, it seems like it's a, a pretty good team. Uh, there's a lot of MLS, you know, what I call fringe MLS talent. You know, I know uh, we got, uh, what, uh, Luis uh, Solinac, uh, you know, a forward that came down from, you know, from your neck of the words that, uh, there with Chicago Fire. So uh, one of the Argentinians and, um, you know, obviously we've only played one game. You know, Edson's game wasn't, uh, you know, his result didn't go as well for him. Ours went pretty well, you know, against uh, Real Monarchs. Um, but then they're taking, what, six weeks off? So, you know, it's... Yeah, we're and we're going we're gonna to leave that alone because Lord knows... It, <laughs> Who knows it, what, the, what we, it's going to ta- be. <laughs> right, we, we, we talked about it before we came on and uh, it's... And via text and everything and it's the conversations I have with them. Nobody knows anything yet. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's to speculate as to what's going to happen ultimately, whether it be a full season wrapped around a partial season. I, yeah. So, but the, the other side of the coin is we don't have anything going on. So we get a lot of time to talk about whatever we want to talk about um, in that sense. So, so since we've been in quarantine and the kind of the theme is this is a quarantine show because it's not my usual Wednesday show is what are you guys doing? How, what are you guys doing to fill in? What are you guys doing to fill in soccer in the interim? I mean, um, is it more FIFA football manager? Is it watching old games? I feel like everybody has their own way of coping with this. So I'm curious as kind of what you guys are doing and kind of, kind of get into more of the fun stuff as to how we're surviving this. And Hey, maybe we've got a safety, uh, a good tip or two that we can push on to everybody else. The few that do listen to this and, Hey, you never know. Maybe some, you'll get somebody going in a direction um, that that they haven't been. So, Harry, what do you, how have you been filling in? So, I've been doing the football manager twenty uh, for that here. I, t- you know, I took what you know, San Diego was it nineteen oh four or whatever. 
uh, went to Jacksonville, and I'm currently in Jacksonville going up the promotion. I think it was uh, somebody from Indianapolis that put up a ProRel uh, patch for it. So, you know, that's that's what I've been doing uh, for there. Uh, prior to them changing to 10 people, you know, on Sundays, uh, uh, we, we get together. I think we had, what, 15, 20 of us uh, that played pickup soccer, you know, you know, adults and kids, you know, I had, you know, AJ out there, my 11 year old. Um, and there was another kid out there that, you know, we'd go and play at one of the high schools, um, soccer out there just to kind of fill that void and, and, you know, to keep active. But, um, you know, the, you know, unfortunately with the kids home from school, uh, you know, it's Fortnite on, on the Xbox here with my kids, uh, playing and interacting, uh, through there. So, not much FIFA for me, uh, but uh, I know Edson does quite a bit more on the FIFA related where, uh, you know, he's, you know, I don't know how much times it takes him to do, but, you know, he's able to create uniforms and stuff like that for all the USL. So, you know, hats off to, to Edson and, and all the work that he puts in for that. So Edson, yeah, and I, I know Harry originally talked about doing this on Tuesday, but I believe you were set up with the, like a FIFA tournament or you were doing something with FIFA that you couldn't get, that you didn't want to get away from it, which that's cool as hell. I just kind of more curious, how much is FIFA, how you're filling in the void? Is that kind of what, what the big piece is right now? So pretty much, you know, like, like Harry, like Harry mentioned, you know, I do a lot of modding for FIFA PC, right? Uh, It's something that I've, that I've kind of done uh, as my hobby uh, for years. And what I was actually trying to do this year was actually, you know, to create at least the four Copa Tejas teams, you know, RGV, San Antonio, El Paso Locomotive, and uh, Austin Bold, and add them into FIFA 20 and kind of make that mod available, you know, for, for, for fans to be able to download the patch and play and play it in their FIFA 20 on PC. Uh, but also, you know, I'm coordinating and organizing a FIFA tournament uh that it that it's kind of like a joint collaboration between between me and rgv the you know rgvfc um and so you know creating a fifa tournament you know for xbox and ps4 uh to qualify for usl memes is uh eusl uh tournament and you know the and what i was doing on tuesday was more along the lines you know trying to to coordinate because the response that we got for the registration uh, of this tournament was a lot higher than I that I honestly thought was going to happen. You know, we were basically just going to start 16 players for Xbox and 60, 16 players for PS4. Right now, it's at the point where we pretty much just opened 64 and 64 for for each of the consoles. You know, so trying to trying to get you know the 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 tournament together, making sure that everybody filled out the inf- necessary information that we can use in order to to promote the matches uh, on social media, both on the Down in the Valley uh, uh, accounts and as well as RGB's uh, official uh, uh, social media accounts as well. Uh, but that's usually that's usually how I've been I've been uh, f- uh, filling my. My, my soccer void because you know at least before you know uh, at least for one week I at least had my Liga MX fi- fix with Tigres but now that's been suspended too so um, I, I guess if if the real real version isn't playing at least we still got the virtual version sure and, and go ahead Harry and uh, and I'll I don't know if you've checked out the prizes but uh, the prizes that RGV is putting up are, are are just outstanding there's a 
they offer a field level box with uh, you know, for first place, I think is with 20 that you can bring 20 or 25 of your friends with to sit there. But even second place, you get a, you know, set in the presidential box, you know, with, with four, you know, four of your friends with, with the president of, uh, uh, RGV and, you know, like I said here, just the prizes that, that, that RGV and, and I know they're our rival, but you know, it's, it's hats off to them and, you know, I, you know, nothing but, uh, you know, respect for what they're trying to do with, you know, them and down in the Valley, um, you know, just, you know, where they're, where they're actually working with Edson and, and trying to help promote, uh, the RGV band, uh, brand and, and, you know, with the, with the stampede, it's, uh, to me, RGV, you know, as to me, as far as one of the, the bright spots with, with, with this, uh, suspension, um, you know, the, the, <clears throat> to me, they've done more now than what they did in the, in the off season, which, which is, which is good to see. And that, and that, and that fascinates me. Now, my question for you, Edson, because I, I haven't paid attention and I'm kind of a moron that way. So bear, fill me in. Is this where you, if you were entering, would it be you pick a club or is this like an ultimate, a football ultimate team thing? No. So you have to pick a, a, an English uh, football league uh, championship uh, club. And, and uh, you, ha- you have to, you have to play that knockout style, style tournament uh, with that EFL uh, championship uh, club for, uh, for the tournament. It's not a, uh, it's not a, a FIFA Ultimate Team uh, tournament because I know that a lot of people may not play FIFA Ultimate Team. I personally don't play FIFA Ultimate Team. I'm more of a career mode kind of guy, you know. So we wanted to kind of level the playing field like that as well. Uh, and also because, you know, the the, EU, the unofficial EUSL tournament has that requirement. So I wanted to keep, you know, the rules as as uh as the same as similar as possible because like i mentioned you know the the whole point of this tournament is also you know not only to 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 unite all these rgv uh fans with with fifa but also find a representative on xbox and ps4 for that eusl tournament from the valley to represent rgv fc in the eusl no and that and that and okay and that clarifies it because like you, I'm a career mode guy. I'm not an ultimate team. I, I tried it. I don't get it. I'm not spending the money on it. I guess we'll <laughs> exactly. Spend. Yeah. So I'm kind of now. I'd say I should jump into that tournament. Except on Xbox, I'm a semi-pro player at best. You know, I play semi-pro and do okay. I'm not mm-hmm. good at Xbox. <laughs> I guess that's kind of the the downside of small children in that sense. So, but Edson, I know you. It, Harry and you in our conversations, you do play a lot of FIFA and you said you're a career mode guy. What clubs have you found over time or what clubs specifically do you use when you play that you didn't, you, you became a fan of because of FIFA. I'm I'm always, that always fascinates me because I I can name several for me personally. And Harry, same question for you in playing FIFA is, or, or um, football manager. Have you found a team that you didn't know a lot about that you want to becoming a fan of because of it globally yeah so for me uh like i said here i've always done the wolves just because i thought their 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 badge was awesome and then uh i like green so uh, uh you know i'll usually start with force green rovers uh um and i know they're you know a league two team and, and i know the wolves are now in the epl so um for me personally i yeah i don't really have an epl team that that i have allegiance to uh, I find to me, I find you know the championship, you know League One, League Two, uh, to be a, a lot more attractive to me. At, you know, you know where where I like those teams as compared to 
Um, and I guess even here stateside here, I, I follow more lower leagues than I do MLS. You know, I, you know, my son's in the MLS, so uh, you know, I have an idea of what's going on. And obviously, I listen to uh, you know, there's you know, a couple of shows in Dallas and and with Edson's shows. Uh, you know, the, the appeal there for, for MLS and then, of course, yours, you know, through there. So through podcasts, I kind of keep affiliate, you know, uh, of the MLS. But, you know, if, you know, to me, like I said here, whether it's, you know, English or, um, you know, here in the United States, you know, I guess my passion would, would lie more in the lower leagues where, uh, you know, Forest Green is typically the first one that, that I that I go to nowadays since uh, the Wolves have uh, moved on up the pyramid. So you, so you're more like I am in that sense, Harry. You like to pick about a team in like um, League Two or what is it? Yeah, League Two, yeah. League Two or a third Bundesliga or yeah, somewhere and, and build them and get them to winning Europe, get them into Europe and whatever. Yeah, and semi-pro. So it's you know you know I'm not I, I know Edson. You know, I've talked to Edson about this, and I think he plays on legendary or mm-hmm. you know the semi-pro or or not semi-pro but professional. You know, on the high level where. But if I'm going to play a video game, I'm old enough. I want to win. I don't want to get my, my ass handed to me. So. <laughs> nah, for, for me, it's more uh, – I'm not really a lot about, you know, trying to find a new team. Um, usually because, you know, I've always played uh, FIFA for the most part uh, on PC. So usually I would, you know, back, uh, back in like FIFA 16, FIFA – FIFA 15, but when mods were more available, you know, there's this mod that I would always, I would always download that included USL and ASL, that included the Concacaf Champions League, FIFA Club World Cup, and you know, my career modes would be, you know, trying to get Tigres to the FIFA Club World Cup, trying to get, trying to get, you know, the Toros going, you know, from, uh, from. The US, the USL up to I kind of made a little uh, pro rail between the 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 three uh, North American leagues, you know, going from USL to NASL to MLS and then trying to see if we can make it uh, all the way to the FIFA Club World Cup kind of thing. And that's always that's always been 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 my challenge more is like how far can I take, you know, my my favorite teams, the, the teams that I love with a passion, you know, how how far can I take them? At an internet at an international level, obviously with Tigres being such a high quality club, I was able to win the club World Cup against Real Madrid. You know, in in, in one of my career modes that I actually uploaded to YouTube. Um, but you know, my biggest challenge and where I had the most fun was getting the the tours with such a small budget, trying to get in loans, you know, of players. And that and that's also one of the fun things was trying finding players that maybe people have never heard of or I know one of them back in FIFA 15, uh, Kurt Zuma, back when he was barely out of the uh, you know out of the the academy ranks, and he was a French reserve player for Chelsea. You know I had I had him a with uh, with my Houston Dynamo uh, career mode. Uh, Adam Armstrong, you know, a bunch of young players. And now you see, you know, Kurt Zuma, you know, at, at one point being a starter with Chelsea in, in the Premier League. Uh, so I think that was that's where I find my fun. Like find those more unknown uh, players that may not be as high of an, uh, of an overall, but that can do the job well uh, within your within your uh, your career mode. Sure. And, and right now. And we were talking about this on Sunday night when we did the show. It was um, 
Alex and I were both had said Georgie Mihalovic because he's such you know a young player at the fire. We do the same thing with him. It's like doesn't matter where we are in the world. We're bringing in Georgie Mihalovic, and then mm-hmm. right now I'm using um, Crawley Town, and I've got them in League One, and I went and took Matt Polster off of Rangers for that reason. You know, ex Chicago Fire, like yeah, we'll bring in Matt Polster, and then uh, and Luca De La Torre is another one that. But uh, you're you're right. Go find these guys that you like as players, and get them onto some of these top clubs and have some fun with it and, and building them up. Um, I did this a couple of years ago, uh, right for FIFA 19. Mama. Mama. Yes, I know you're talking. As um, I used uh, FC Karlsruhe's Jenna and got him to the Bundesliga. Okay, you're gonna go down. I sorry that this is oh, no part of the podcast. <laughs> the alarm clock. No. So um, then... so Edson, while while we're waiting here, as far as um, how difficult or how much time does it take for you to to do those mods? So. Now with FIFA 20, now that it's in, it's a lot more complicated. It's not just you know creating just the textures and stuff like that, and a lot of the functionalities to actually add leagues has are, are locked. So like for example, before uh, in previous FIFA's, I mean you could it was easy to add new leagues, new players, new teams without having to replace uh, current current teams in the database. Now you now you can you kind of have to you add more stuff. It's a lot more complicated process, but. With the kits, I think because I have a lot of experience, you know, uh, making making uh, textures, uh, you know, uniform textures for for teams uh, in FIFA. I think the the Tauros one, ba- based on a template, you know, from a team that's already in FIFA that had the same template as the Tauros. I think it took me about two hours to, uh, or maybe even like two and a half hours to complete the shirt, the shorts, and, and the socks uh, for for the Toros. I know for Phoenix Rising last season's Phoenix Rising home kit, mm-hmm. that was a, a very, 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 very complicated uh, to do. That one took me maybe about in total about five hours oh, to, wow. uh, to complete. Uh, and I'm very, when it comes to that, I'm very kind of like a stickler for detail. So mm-hmm. like, I like, I'll put it in, in a, a, in a, in a 3d model on Rhino and I'll try, I'll, I'll have to, I'll be like comparing like a real world picture to that model and making sure that it, it looks as uh, realistic a, a, as possible. So that, so that's why it, t- it, t- it takes me, uh, it takes me a while to, to make those, but it's, a, I mean, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. It gets my creative juices, uh, going, and, you know, I know I've received a lot of feedback uh, when I've posted the screenshots or when I've posted the mm-hmm. pictures of, of me and the model. I've gotten a lot of a lot of feedback from other USL uh, fans or and I know I think at one point a someone uh, from, you know, that's really well known in the USL USL universe. I don't remember who it was. Um, but they 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 did uh, actually retweet it out as well, and I know a lot of people are like, man, the U.S. Uh, a lot of people would would come up and say, you know, you know, I wish the USL would be a part of FIFA. So, yeah. So my other question here, and this is more selfishly for me, 
is there a difference between playing like on on PlayStation or Xbox or and versus the computer? Uh, yes, more than anything, it's the fluidity of the match, uh, the frame rates of the PC. If you have a if you have a really good PC, you can play sixty plus frames per second, so it feels so smooth. The animations feel a little bit smoother, mm-hmm. whereas in in Xbox or PS4. You know, it, it, you can you can tell the difference. Uh, you know, it just it doesn't feel as 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 fluid, and sometimes like even like the button feedback can be a little bit laggy as well. Uh, and I was I, today I was playing a friend of mine. You know, uh, we played yesterday on on PC. Today we played it on the Xbox, and he's like, "Man, it's like a huge night and day difference between both," which is essentially the same game, but different but different uh, consoles. And it's like, yeah, it's a night and and day difference between the two. That's I, and I, that was something I would never have thought. Of. I would have thought it'd be the other way that the Xbox and the PS4, because their gaming consoles, would be the more the smoother of the group. But the fact that it's the other way, um, wow, never thought of that. And and I I, I I was able to listen. I I apologize that she was being noisy. Now she's happy and listening to Raffi. Um, but it, that. <laughs> The amount of detail, the amount of time and effort you put in to making these uniforms, and that they get such respect. To me, that's I again stuff I didn't know, and I'm and I do appreciate you guys sharing that because that to me is kind of the cool thing is like what you guys both do to build rapport, to build the brands of the clubs you support. And last night when I had Maggie on and talking about what she was doing with the Red Stars, I I feel like um, both of you with with Ed, Edson, you with with RGV, and Harry, you with S- San Antonio. You guys are out trying to build the the soccer culture in those, and that to me, that's kind of awesome. That's that's why I love doing the show. That's why I love doing love soccer in general. Is so many people are trying to do what they can to grow the game and mm-hmm. to do it in such a positive aspect. To me, it fascinates me, and I and I mostly mostly it. positive. I, I I tend to be a little bit negative sometimes, just to be fair. <laughs> you know, you know what, and it's it's okay to, when you're. When your team isn't doing as well as you'd like, it's you're allowed to be negative. That's part mm-hmm. of being a sports fan. Right. But you, but the last thing you would do is tell, nah, don't don't come to the game. Yeah, yeah. we're not good, but don't just so don't show up. No, you yeah. guys, I, I which we we've both wa- all of us have watched in social media that fa- quote fans unquote will say, oh, it's not worth showing up anymore. I don't see. I've never seen you do that though, Harry. No, so, not at all. No. I... I, 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 I semi-joke just, you know, like I said here, that uh, half the time I think SAFC mutes me just for the fact that, uh, you know, 50% of comments are really positive and 50% comments are, you know, critical uh, suggestions that, uh, you know, I, I'm sure. And, and I've talked with the, 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 the Twitter guys and social media guys and they're like, no, we love it because it's, it's, you know, as Mark Cuban say, you know, says there's, you know, when you get your name mentioned that, you know, even if, even if it's a negative light, that still can be a positive um, just because you're getting your brand out there. So, so I think with, with me, you know, having, you know, uh, being close to both RGV and, and the Dynamo, you know, front of front offices and close in the fact, you know, that I've, you know, like Harry with San Antonio, we, you know, I've conversed with with members uh, of front office or even, you know, people who work with, within the teams and, you know, they've been, they've had, they have the, the, the idea of like you, like any, any talk 
uh, about the team, whether positive or, or negative, uh, is good because at least people are talking about mm-hmm. you. If nobody cared about you enough to talk about even when you're doing bad, then that means there's some there's something bad, you know, something bad going on. And for me personally, it's one of those things like, yes, I like I will say, you know, I will give kudos to what if something that the, the front office or the team does does well, you know, but I've also, you know, and even when I criticize, I try to play my own devil's advocate. And it's rare when I've had moments where I've just like bashed, like bash a team where I kind of like we're like the passion kind of I can't restrain my passion. I'm just like, oh, like this is like completely horrible, uh, horrible game. It's uh, et cetera, et cetera. And I've gotten negative, you know, ne- negative feedback from a couple of uh, uh, pl- players indir- indirectly uh, about it, you know. But at the, but at the same time, you know, it's like you know, you know, I talk with my dad a lot about about this whole thing, you know. I noticed that that specific player, after I kind of called him out on the show, he got into a in a good in a good run, like in the next three or four matches. Mm-hmm. So it's like at the end of the day, like you like he told me you lit a fire under him to try to prove you wrong. And I think that's what I like to see. Like when I cri- when I criticize, I want to be proven wrong. And there's one other thing that I want to say or actually two. number one, uh, Edson also does a good job covering the dash with the peel as well here. And, and that might be beneficial, you know, with the NWSL, with the Red Stars and the dash. Um, I know he, he, he keeps up and, and highlights with those pretty well. Um, but the other thing in, in is when I, when I listen to Down in the Valley, when I listen to our shows and, and you know, even TJ's, uh, you know, the minivan show here, a lot of times it's not so much the players that, that we, or the play on the field that, that we criticize. It's more the actions from the team in the front office um, and, and to me more the interaction with the fan base. I think that's, you know, I know me and Edson's had several conversations, you know, between you know, SAFC and RGV and, and, you know, the pluses and minuses that they can do to, you know, and, and it, yes, it would be the same thing up in Chicago, um, you know, to be able to attract, you know, the, the Hispanic fan base to be able to get them out, uh, you know, you know, to the stadiums. Cause um, you know, I, I think both do okay, but I think we both see where, you know, where it could be better. And um, obviously with the, uh, you know, the fire moving, you know, into soldier field, it'll be, uh, interesting to see how that how that plays out and, and if they are able to you know attract a you know a, you know a, a better fan base going forward. And and on on this show, I know with the fire, we had talked enough times about bringing in uh, players from Mexico, Hispanic players. The Chicharito being one of them was rumored for a while, just because that is an untapped fan base. And if you can get a player that can play with it. You absolutely are onto something. Um, they chose to go in a different direction from what from what we thought the fire could do um, in that sense. But the fire, it's and I agree. I agree with you, Harry. Um, the fire culture prior to Mansueto taking over the team was toxic, incredibly toxic. And anybody who follows the fire on social media will see it still has a level of toxicity to it. But you watch what the club is doing, like I said, aside from the Cat's Anus logo, which is rumored to be have been done prior to Mansueto taking control, is been to reach out to everybody. I always on the show I always said, Hey, you're moving to Soldier Field, what's the next step? And his and the answer I got via um, interviews he did was there isn't a next step. 
there's enough soccer fans, we should eventually be able to fill the stadium if we do our job right. And what did he do? He doubled and tripled the social the social media, the video content. It now here feels like a professional team in everything they do. They they have the, the Spanish the Spanish Twitter the Donald Fire and so on and so forth. It's like everything you would want other than this logo. It's been what we've all been dreaming. And if you would asked any of us a year ago, and I, I somebody had mentioned on the show was like, did you ask us six months ago, a year ago, hey, you're going to have a crappy logo, but everything else you ever wanted, you're going to have. As a fan, I feel like people got way too hung up on the badge because it was one of the first things. Mm-hmm. But for all, you see that that cult, that kind of you know move forward and reaching out to fan groups and trying to get them in. And um, I do like the – what I've noticed is there are players – I agree. I don't know if any of the players actually ever listen to my show. I've heard rumors – that they some do and they don't like being criticized. But if you're being critical and you're able to support what you're saying, and I get and Edson, I get it. There's times you're just passionate and you're mad when you're recording. And that there's probably anybody I know that has will go, hey, I'm this I'm gonna go off here. This is it's been we're on a terrible run. I'm just gonna rant and rave for a little bit. But when you start calling out players individually and you can say Here's where they're deficient. Any any player who's worth their salt is going to look at it and go, is there validity to it or are they just blowing off steam? And if there's validity to it, I think you're right, Edson, in what you said you and your dad's conversations are. They're going to take it to heart and go, yeah, they probably could do better at that. And they're going to start focusing on that piece. And there's there's nothing wrong with that. I, I feel that's a, positive, that's a positive influence. Now, things I've heard from um, people I know that, knows the players on the fire is one of them on the fire is Calvo and Calvo doesn't like to be criticized by anybody. He gets incredibly (laughs) incredibly easy. Now, am I going to continue to criticize Calvo when he plays badly? Absolutely. Why? Yeah, because I can. So that's part um, of it. It's part of, to me, it's part of our job. And, and, um, you know, obviously you're in a bigger market. Edson's in, in, you know, plays kind of both sides with, with the Dynamo and, and then with RGV. Um, you know, I found where, you know, I do quite a bit of more, U, you know, UPSL, WP, uh, WPS, uh, or WPSL, UWS, um, you know, coverage. And, uh, you know, obviously any coverage they get, they want to be more positive And, you know, especially with UPSL here, you know, I've, I've had a couple of calls from, you know, the, the actual conference manager saying, hey, you know, this is not, you know, this is what the real story is on their side. So um, to me, especially on the lower league side, USL, you know, side here, um, being able to get that communication out, whether it's positive or negative, generally is looked at it. And like I said here, I know, you know, the San Antonio guys, you know, listen, I know, you know, some of the players listen, I know, obviously in RGV, uh, you know, they have a good relationship with down in the Valley. Um, I think MLS is a little bit different just because it's, you know, the, the you know, the, the, the division one and, and, you know, they're a single entity and, and uh, Garber likes to control the message out from there. But uh, to me, I, I think, you know, the roles that the individual podcasters do, um, you know, it is an important part just, you know, cause I think we can all agree that uh, the sports media still does not cover soccer here in the U.S. as as it should. It, you know, it's you know I, I think it's 
to me, I think it's above hockey. You know, you could argue whether it's the, you know, the, 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 you know, the fourth best sport here in the U S I think it typically is in closing in on baseball, you know, uh, but you know, when it comes to media coverage, um, it's still lacking as far as that aspect. And I think that's where the podcasters come in, um, and really provide that asset, uh, you know, for all the leagues here, you know, in the state side. No, and, you know, and go ahead, go ahead, Edson. And you know what, and you know, what's interesting, Harry, is that, you know, a lot of these more traditional journalists, more traditional media outlets that rarely go and cover San Antonio, that rarely go and cover RGB or the Houston Dynamo. The day that they do go to to cover a game or they cover a practice, a lot of them have this have this you know idea of like, uh, oh, I'm from th- this place, so I should get some sort of priority or, or, or something like that. Or they minimize, or they just say, oh, you're just a fan with a microphone to uh, us podcasters. And I honestly, honestly, uh, get offended when people minimize the effort that uh, me. People like Harry, people uh, people like you, uh, do to covering to make up for what the traditional media outlets don't do, which is technically you know, which is technically their job is to cover sports within within the, you know their region, and they're not doing it. We have to do it. You know, we're not getting paid to to cover this team. We're putting money out of our own pockets to uh, bring bringing in bringing in the coverage, and for them to you know, put us down in, in that aspect, uh, kind of minimizing our credibility or, or the efforts that we put in because we're not traditional. It, it, it kind of grinds my gears. You know, it, and it's interesting that you're talking about non-traditional media and being in a larger market. Um, I, I, the fire, they have some great, some, some pretty decent, play, you know, in, in Guillermo and uh, Brian Sandlo. And I know I'm forgetting, <laughs> Uh, Tenorio with uh, the you know with the athletic, mm-hmm. but I can tell you that um, Pat McCraney when he he inherited uh, Hot Time and Old Town from Bridget because uh, Bridget Gordon who stepped into more of an overall SB Nation so when he went started reaching out and getting involved with the with the fire, I was sh- I, I was shocked and he might yell at me later for this but the relationship with the club. These non-traditional sources, the clubs aren't against them as much as you would think. And if they are, that's a, that's a, that's a fault of their own because Correct. in listening to Pat talk about um, working with the fire, they've been nothing but amazing with him because it's, it's almost like they have their own day-to-day beat writer with SB Nation and some of these other podcasters, whatever. You get more coverage than you do. And I think... Um, Edson, you're right. You get like the the tribute. Like I said, Chicago, they, they've got a couple guys that are absolutely amazing. Um, but if you get some of these other ones that they can't be bothered to do it, then you go to the ones that are there. And I feel like these non-traditional medias, maybe I don't get a huge audience. Maybe I, don't, maybe I only get 50, 100 people. But guess what? That's 50 or 100 people more than you had before. Mm-hmm. And it goes all the way through. And these are and these are markets. If you're looking to build, if you get the people that'll listen to the podcast, guess what? These are the ones that become your your diehard fans. And they, I feel like that's it. And that's kind of the same thing. Like I said, noticing with Pat's coverage of the fire, he gets stuff out so frequently. It almost he's almost like a beat writer for him. And then now they started work instead of they started working with. Oh, hey, you're working with. You're going to keep putting content out and putting coverage out. All right, we can we can work with that. And podcasts, um, 
are a unique thing in that they they you know just it's different opinions but it but like i said it's coverage it is getting names out there and you get down in the valley if you add another five listeners two listeners or you know at the sa you know the sa soccer roundtable you get a couple more listeners that's people who might now go to a game that might mm-hmm. spend some money that may not before so i i agree you can't dismiss these but at the same time, you can't sit there and just come out and be one that just shreds everything every exactly. time because then you exactly. become pointless. Um, I mean, and you can have a great relationship with the team when you look at, at um, I was with like, like Edson. I know you do it down in the valley. Um, that you look at the Luigans, what they have with uh, Saint with um, Saint Louis. It's kind of cool when you get those kind of relationships that they the club does embrace it and. Embrace it all because Lord knows there's enough different options out there. If you don't like the coverage you're getting, you're going to go somewhere else. So, all right. <laughs> We've been at this for 75 minutes, which is longer than I usually do shows. But I, I, you know what? When I get a great conversation, I'm going to let it run. And Harry, thank you for jumping in and taking the taking the reins while I got got the baby to fall asleep. <laughs> hey, no worries. <laughs> I've been there myself. Is, she is completely passed out on my shoulder right now and <laughs> just dead weight. So um, this is the Minivan Dad Soccer Pod. I've been I've been lucky enough to have Edson Ochoa from down in the valley and the Peel, from, which is, you know, Houston Dynamo and Rio Grande Valley. Um, and then I've got I got Harry Austin with uh, SA, the SA um, Roundtable, Soccer Roundtable, which is pretty much everything and anything you ever want to know with San Antonio soccer, which – it's a lot more expansive than is the more I listen to your show, I the more I learn and more I realize, wow, there's a whole lot out there. And I know there is in Chicago too, but it's not as easy when I, I've got one podcast that covers everything. It's I can learn that versus Chicago, it's not as easy. So um all right. So what do you guys got for final thoughts tonight as we as we already wrap this up? So you know, for me I just want to thank uh, you know, both Edson and, and TJ here, like Sahara. I've interacted with both of you online and obviously with Edson, I've been on his show a couple of times and actually met him in person. So um, I think, you know, we all play an important part of the game. Um, And right now it's, you know, just, just please be safe, keep your hands clean and and stuff like that. And, and, and spend time with your loved ones. Just uh, you know, right now it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a crazy time. And and like I said here, uh, uh, you know, if you can be nicer to, uh, you know, the neighbors across the street and, you know, people online, I think, uh, that that'll help us progress through this virus situation. And, uh, hopefully in a couple months, uh, we'll have some footy that we can, you know, argue about, uh, once again. Edson. I think for me, obviously I'm very appreciative, uh, uh, of the invite. Uh, I want to thank you TJ for, you know, for having, having me on the show, uh, Harry for, you know, extend extending the invitation out out to me to to join him with you, uh, and I think you know my fun, my final thoughts is I think we need to work together as different you know fan bases. I don't care if it's USL, MLS, UPSL. You know, at the end of the day, we're all fans of Ameri- of American soccer, and. We all have a common goal, and that is to make the sport of soccer more relevant in in the United in the United States. And if we can do all of this together, you know, it doesn't matter. It's like like with me and Harry. You know, we might be like direct rivals, like our teams might be direct rivals within you know within the state, but 
the fact that, that we talk a lot, you know, about uh, American soccer, that, you know, that we have joint efforts, you know, within our within our shows, you know, it, it helps grow, you know, the, the outreach and, and the connection between uh between the fan bases and it can only make it grow stronger so let's keep let's keep on doing that and hopefully we we can uh, we can reach our goal and and thank and thanks to both of you harry and and edson both of you for coming on tonight i said i i put this out there on social media right now we're going through something it's new to all of us and i'm going to say one of the things they always mention in the army is flex they call it flex execution be flexible you know semper gumby call it whatever you want to call it you got to be flexible right now you've got a lot of people trying to make decisions based on on scenarios that were never envisioned you know i i think for my employers for example every contingency we ever talked about was like one site being shut down because of a hurricane or an earthquake whatever you want to call you know any a disaster um an attack something like that Nobody has ever really game planned the scenario. So trust trust the medical people when they're talking about it. Trust your, um, I want to say, when they tell you to stay inside, and do, by all means do that. These are, you got governors, you got leaders that aren't making these decisions in a vacuum. They're, tr- they're talking to people that hopefully are really smart. And if, if they're not talking to smart people, then you should look at replacing those people. But... Plus, they're getting the best advice they can give, and they're doing the best with those situations, and and follow those instructions. And I think Harry and Edson both hit it hit it the nail on the head. Is we're definitely a soc- the soccer community is a family. We can fight. You know, I watch my children. I've I've fought with my brothers for years, and Lord knows if I ever have have the two of them on the show, I'm going to be mocked for an hour straight, and I'll laugh hysterically. <laughs> but the stories they can tell. We fought like cats and dogs. I watched my children fight like cats and dogs. But at the end of the day, we're all still a family. And the soccer community, it really is a family. And I feel we all need to work together and, and do exactly that. Keep reaching out. Keep looking to expand it. Get one more person who's not a soccer fan to come in. You never know. I, I, I can tell you through the years, just people that I've brought in um, that are now soccer fans that weren't before. So, again, Harry Edson, thank you very much. And this has been like I said, I, I do this show for the simple fact I get to talk to awesome people. And once again, I got to do so tonight. So thank you much. And to quote the great Chris Combs and the great Pat McCraney, you're done. I'm